Hey, Gabriel Blake. Hey, Gabriel Jose. Where are we today? We are literally sitting in Columbus Street in San Francisco in front of Mr. Bing's Cocktail oh. Lounge. Yeah, the Cocktail Lounge. Yeah. That used to be a pretty iconic dive bar that we used to come to. We did, and then somebody bought it and turned it into a boring bar. A what? A boring bar. You can use my term. I won't feel offended. I don't know that other people will know it. A beige I, bar. Yeah, that's fine. That's yeah, fine. A characterless, bland. Exactly. Yeah, playing it safe, as safe as possible, trying to just, I don't know. Uh, Sell $12 gin and tonics. Exactly. Yep. They uh -huh. were $10. No, 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 no. <laughs> We got well, don't worry. Okay, okay. Thank <laughs> God. I mean, they taste like well, not too well, to be fair. Yeah, they taste like well liquor, yeah. for yeah. sure. But in any case, what did we watch today? We watched the 1990 Scorsese classic. Correct. The Not the Untouchables. <laughs> we watched Goodfellas, which... Just before recording, I was telling Jose that I confused the two briefly in my mind. I mean, I can understand it, for example, with The Godfather. You know, that is like another mob movie, you know. I mean, it's prior this one, but uh, also it's a very well-regarded movie. Goodfellas. And Godfather. And Godfather, yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah, not The Untouchables. The Untouchables, no, no, no. I think they're okay. <laughs> it's like just an okay movie. But it's not a Scorsese movie. No, it's not. No, I get it. It's, it's not. And uh, I think that also both of them, they start with the God something. Uh -huh. So is that there is like more yeah, reason. Yeah, the G-O. Yeah, yeah, yeah. G-O-D. Yeah. Yep. So, and, you know, I, I can get that. I can get that. That part about The Untouchables, I think that it's like a bit... I don't know. I kept fetch. waiting. Where's Kevin Costner? I don't get it. <laughs> Does he appear after two hours of movie? Because he still had 30 more minutes to go. <laughs> um, but no, uh, the reason why I picked this one... Yes, tell me. Tell me why you picked this. Because I think that we have been re-watching some movies that I really like uh, back in the day. And I was like multiple times, some of them. You know, so this is the third or fourth time that I watched The, the Goodfellas. And I was curious to see after watching so many uh, movies and after like, seeing so many good movies, how would I feel about it, you know? So when was the last time you saw Goodfellas? Uh, the Goodfellas probably like just like seven, eight, no, more, more than that, like uh, probably 10 years ago, uh, before I moved here. Before we met, okay. Yeah, before I moved here, yeah. So, I think I told you last week that I hadn't seen this movie. Yeah. When I rewatched it, I realized, yes, I had seen this movie at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but is that you actually were not like, too impressed by it, so completely forgot that you did watch it? Uh, I don't want to comment on the quality of the film, but it's just not up my alley. That's, okay. That's it. Uh, no, that's fair. So what is this movie about? Uh, what's Ray Liotta's character's name? Harry. Harry. So the story mostly follows Harry. Mm -hmm. Harry is a very young, he's not fully Italian, so he can't be a complete yep. member he's Italian of, the, of the mafia. Uh, but as a young kid, he's he wants to become a mobster, and he's hired at like 11, I think, to like park the cars of, yep. of mafiosos. And it essentially follows his journey as he is part of the mob, but because of his heritage, he can't be a full part. Um, he grows up, he gets married, he has several friends within the mob, mm -hmm. they steal a bunch of shit, they murder a bunch of people, yep. and, uh, and then at the end, um, he has to squeal, what is the word? 
if he has to rat, rat on them. Yes. Yep. And um, we just see how this he goes through this life and how this affects his relationships, including with his wife and his girlfriend. They're not the same. Mm -hmm. And uh, his his multiple partners, wife. Yes. He's quite the slut. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, Joe Pesci murders people. And yep. It's yep. Like, like when you think of the quintessential mob movie, this is it. Yep. Yeah. He has Robert De Niro. Yes, and Joe Pesci. Yep. Yeah. What do you think of Ray Liotta? I thought he was actually good in this film. I don't think he has any range whatsoever. Yeah. But this role, he can do a reasonably good job. I had a feeling that like, I've watched this movie so many times that every single time that I uh, that I watch it, I like Ray Liotta a bit less. Is <laughs> that the scene? I love the scene when they are in the uh, in the tiki bar, in the bamboo hut or something like that, or something like that, and. Uh, I love the uh, acting from Joe Pesci. He's like, you think that I'm funny? Funny how? Funny like a clown? And uh, Ray Liotta is like, no, I just think that you're funny. You know, like what you're saying. But when he's laughing and he's like doing this face, like, he's <laughs> just like, is there something wrong with your mouth right now? Is this how you really laugh? But he actually does that face like, multiple times. And a part of me thinks he's like, is this Ray Liotta that he's not capable of laughing as a human being? Or is this because Harry was infamous in real life for laughing this way, for having that face? I don't know the answer to you. I don't. I don't. You know, but it's like I, I feel like just curious about it. It's like it's, because it's true that the acting when he's like just serious or just having a conversation is good. It's charismatic. That is like what he's supposed to be. But when he's laughing, it's like why would you do that face? Is this is like, this is something going on here. So. Actually, you referred to that scene, and that's one of the ones that stood out to me in the film, both as a testament to Martin Scorsese and how he can build tension and to Joe yep. Pesci's acting. Yep. It's very, very good, but it also highlights the reason that I don't particularly understand mob films, because you don't understand the characters' motivations at all, and you don't know if Joe Pesci is going to kill Ray Liotta, which he could have, and it yep. would have been totally made sense. Yep. And that's like, why I'm like, I don't... Like how he kills the 13-year-old, this spider kid. Yeah. yeah. I, and yeah. I just don't like... Yeah. When you can't understand the characters and their motivation, it just becomes lost to me. But I think that it's, like, it's a bit part of the gist of the movie, that it's like he's a completely deranged human being, that he's just consumed by violence. It's a bit more like there is not going to be like logic to his actions. But isn't that all of them? I don't think so. I mean, I think that they try to display that Harry is not that bad, you know? But at the same time, it's like he's still like pretty bad as a human being. But there's a point in the film where Joe Pesci thinks he's going to be formally made a member of the mob family. Yeah. And he has no idea what anybody is... He thinks everyone is celebrating him and they actually took him to murder him. And then I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Why? Why not? Well, I mean, the problem there is like, I think that the murder, that part... So, I like this movie. Let me just come clean on this. I like this movie. It's, like, it's the third or fourth time that I watch it. It's like, I like it. But now, I also think that there are some problems with it. With the pacing. Is that there is, I think that the first couple of acts are pretty good. And the last act is pretty good. So, which didn't you like? So, the thing is, like, I think this movie, like, just being two hours and a half, I think that it has, like, five acts. I think at the beginning, when he is sort of just thinking about how he got into the Mafia and how his life changes. You know, I think that it's like pretty well narrated because like really good pacing, the acting is good, the directing is amazing through the whole movie, but it's like I think that it's pretty fast-paced in a good way. 
you know, at the beginning. And uh, while they're like a star, like a bit more like climbing up the ranks. Is that that part is like like the second act, but there is like another part there when they start like just transitioning into doing like other kind of gists that I think that is not as engaging, and then the last part when he's starting to just get uh, like hunted down by the police or he thinks that he's being hunted down by the police. <laughs> helicopter. Well, the helicopter is like no, the helicopter was like the local news. <laughs> but you know you were like actually tapped for a month, so don't worry. Is <laughs> I think that that part it recovers like the same kind of. Uh, more fast pace, more like just an impeding thing going on, that it got like just lost in the middle, you know, and then suddenly it just comes back. It's like, okay, this has like this kind of engaging factor to it, that it almost feels like what Tarantino would do. So, is one of the acts that you didn't like the Lufthansa heist, or that's when you feel like it starts? I think there is a good start. At that point, I'm like, ah, it's, it's okay, you know, the Lufthansa and their friends, you know, it's like at that point, that's what I think that it's like, it's the center of the movie. There is a guy, sure, it's fine, but it's that like you can almost like just remove some of these. It almost feels like you kept it from the perspective that this were like the uh, big iconic gist that they came into the newspapers and why people relate to this as a real life history. I see that. And overall, I did like this film. Uh, I thought it was well directed, I thought it was well acted. I didn't have the problem with Ray Leo that you did. Um, <laughs> You could see the direction of Martin Scorsese. It was as good as that film about the young boy in the train station that lives in London. Holy shit, man. Just stop that. No, you cannot even like just joke. But the thing is, like, once again, I think that Hugo is garbage, except the last 30 minutes, when it actually is about what it's supposed to be about. That is about Melia. Okay. But it's like the other two hours is like, holy, this is, this is bad. This is just bad. So, I read a review of this film, not well, not fully, but mm -hmm. they said this is up with Scorsese's films, uh, including Taxi Driver. Do you think it's on the same level of Taxi Driver? I like both of them. I like Taxi Driver quite a bit. Don't you? I love Taxi Driver. It's amazing. Yeah. But I think that is a Taxi Driver is from, what, 74, 73? Definitely 70s, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's early 70s, and I think that also uh, it's a bit more, less direct, do you know? It's a taxi driver, it's about like, just a guy like going down in madness, about like, okay, I'm going to try to do the uh, the right thing, and then it's like, okay, I'm going to be like just going crazy as the rest of the city is going crazy, and then I'm going to be like just proclaimed as a hero of this city. So I see all of these films as part of a trajectory of both Robert De Niro's career and um, Scorsese's, it, sure. where they they were these small, intimate stories that were insane. Yeah. And they kept getting bigger and bigger. And with that, both Robert De Niro's talent and Martin Scorsese's talent became yeah. more diluted. Yeah. So, like, his movie that came out last year that was three hours long, everyone oh, was the like, Irishman eh. was bad. Yeah. yeah. But the funny thing is, did you watch Casino? Yes. Casino, you actually, I think that I watched uh, The Goodfellas the first time, and then I watched immediately Casino, that is from 93, I think. Is that my parents, of course, didn't let me go to watch The Goodfellas when I was 10 years old. But I watched Dancing with Wolves back in the theater. And I fucking hated that time. <laughs> and I remember, like, when I was like, wait a second, both movies actually came out in 1990. And Dancing with Walls won the Oscar to best movie over The Goodfellas. Are you oh kidding gosh. me? Oh, God. The Oscars, man. Yeah. 
is that like, look, there are like some scenes in this movie that they are directed like perfectly. Is that I cannot see like the scene when they're like going into the Copacabana. It's like I don't think that there is any way of making that scene any better. And I, I recognize that I think in 1990 I was seven, yeah. six and seven. So the opening scene of, of this movie where they're just driving down the road, yep. right? And then there's noise and they can't figure out what it is. And then the man that they thought they had murdered in the trunk was still alive and they murdered him. Just think about Tarantino. Is it basically... Yes. <laughs> That's what I was thinking is that this was, I'm sure, very shocking in 1990. And I could appreciate it for, like, in 1990, holy yep. fuck. Uh, I think for me personally, it's lost a little bit because that's very common now. But I tried very hard to recognize it as an important piece yeah. of cinema. But it's like at the same time, it's like it's true. You can actually look into Tarantino and other directors. They have done that kind of stuff yeah. many, many times about like just hyper violent. About like, look, I'm not going to be like just like shying away from the violence. It's like I just want to make this like as absurd as possible. You know, is that that's the reason why your specific character is like, so ridiculous from the perspective that when he goes in the uh, when he kills the maid man with Robert De Niro's character, that is like, the other guy like just joking with him and it's like, okay, yeah, maybe you are joking, insulting a bit, but it's like it's not enough for just what you guys just do afterwards, and he actually just recreates in the violence. And you think he did it well? I think that he did it amazingly. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's just masterpiece because, like, you can. I don't look away from it. It's not about, like, I'm going to make it, like, so gruesome that I'm going to be, like, hating those characters. Because even, like, really, other's character that is supposed to be, like, the reason boys, he's not looking away. He's not, like, trying to stop them. It's like, I feel like, okay, he may be a bit scared about them, but not enough for just cutting ties with them. Because he still engaged them when he started, like, just doing the business with Pittsburgh, with the driver, is that he is still engaged with them. He said, yeah, you know that these guys are dangerous, that they are like pretty crazy when you are narrating the story, but you're still friends with them. And that's that's what I have a hard time understanding in these films, is I don't understand why you would ever... Everyone in this movie was a shitty person. Everyone. Yep. And I don't but understand them, and I don't know why I would watch them for entertainment. And then I was like, am I being hypocritical and like Loveless? Everybody in Loveless is a piece of shit. But I love that movie. Is it the... Do I... Because there is a bit of more of motivation in Loveless. Is like, look the thing is I think I think there is like a on this movie or in even The Godfather is okay. All of them they are terrible human beings, you know. They don't have like any kind of respect. But it's like at the same time that like, you don't relate to them because they don't have like share the same kind of lifestyle that you share, you know, that you have. So it's like in Loveless, it's like you actually look at the characters that like, this is like a middle class Russian person. It's true, it's like I'm not Russian, I'm not Russian, but it's like some of the problems that they are dealing with, I can relate to. And they're a bit more like the normal, straight people that I know. The only thing is that they are fucking terrible. Yeah, that's probably it. I, I, I could relate to several characters in Loveless, and I couldn't relate to a single person in this movie. No, no. I mean, I could relate at the beginning maybe to the, uh, to the wife. I mean, not relate to her, but it's okay. I can identify her as a human being. But it's like then she actually started like just derailing into, okay, you're doing like plenty of terrible stuff too. And she's supposed to be the good Jewish girl, and then she's like, most most girls would have run when her, their boyfriends asked me to hide a gun, but I got turned on, and I was like... Come on, I love that dialogue. <laughs> I love that dialogue almost... It wasn't dialogue, it was... Okay, it was like a background it voice. It was the voice of God. Well, she because was doing... Because this movie her... relied fully on voiceover narration. 
are you going to be like just bringing the bullshit from uh, adaptation to me? That is like if you need to use background voice, it's like God save you because this you're a terrible screenwriter. Every opinion I had about this film, I've liked in other. And I want to be clear, I did like this movie, but my complaints about not relating to anybody, disliking all the characters, the heavy reliance on voiceover, because it was heavy, it never oh, yeah. stopped. Yeah. Um, but that's, look, I agree with that part with the uh, voiceover. This time, I actually was analyzing, it's like, look, the voiceover is depicting a character. You know, Harry is like coming across as a specific kind of character, and Karen is coming as another character. Oh my god, that name. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot forget it. But it's like, okay, they come as a specific character, but it's like, then what I see on the screen is different. What I see on the screen, it doesn't correlate to the specific character that is narrating this. I can see that. That makes it interesting. Yeah, so but it's like, it almost can see, like, okay, what about if this is like the kind of memories that they have of what it happened? Or what they want to portray themselves, and it's exactly what happened. Is they know they are like way worse human beings that they actually try to project themselves to be. And I think we have to just based on the movie, we have to assume that it was actual voiceovers from the future. It wasn't like yeah. somebody died and is narrating from the. Well, it would, yeah. but it's like, that's the reason. What I think is that there may be a bit of a disconnect between. Is like, okay, this is what I think that happened. What I'm telling you that is happening. And that this is exactly what happened back then. Is that part of it is like, okay, it's properly connected, and other parts is like, no, you were terrible, you know? Because sometimes he mentions about, like, well, I knew that uh, Tommy, I think that Tommy was Robert De Niro. I think so, yeah. Yeah, Robert De Niro is a, Robert De Niro's character, he's like, okay, this guy is crazy. I realized at that point that, you know, his mind was going in many different ways. Said, but you didn't do anything. You kept hanging out with him. He said, you didn't change anything about, like, who you were with that person and also I couldn't so when spoiler alert uh, Joe Pesci gets murdered shot in the head you already said it earlier. I know yep. <laughs> but then Robert De Niro is super upset just he slams the phone over and over and I'm like you've done this to how many people you can't but that's his close friend be surprised yeah but that's his close friend and but especially you know he shouldn't be surprised because they kill a made man but they killed him like years earlier. That's the part of the fear is, okay, they killed Joe Pesci now, like years afterwards. But they explain it later. I think that they actually say that they found the body. Yeah. But I just, these are smart guys, relatively. They're yeah. like uneducated in the formal sense of the word, but he can't be so dumb. <gasps> they killed my best friend? What? Yeah, I wasn't expecting this. I was like, <laughs> no. Well, because I think that he truly believed that something like this would happen. You know, that they would... Uh, uh, making and that translates into making all of them so I don't think that he's only crying for his friend I think that he's also crying about the prospect of a life of immunity okay I see that uh, I, mean, I don't know I think that is a the pacing is something that this time it didn't work completely for me the directing I still think that this is a from the directing perspective this is a masterpiece do you consider yourself a fan of mob films? Yeah. Name another besides Casino, not Martin Scorsese. The Godfather. Okay. I did like The Godfather 3. <laughs> I knew that you were going to say that, man. <laughs> no, no, I no. I liked, I liked all The Godfathers, yeah. including 3. That's not a joke. I didn't think it was as bad as everyone thought it was, but I did like those. I think that it's okay. I think that it's a bit more like the problem is that, look, you took like more than 10 years and then you do this. 
with your daughter. With your daughter, you know, is that, that there is no reason for your daughter to be here, you know, or Andy Garcia is like just look, just no. And I, uh, I think that I told you that is that there was uh, this bar that I used to go to, and the guy, the owner, had like a really good taste for cinema, and he used to joke about uh, Sofia for Coppola into his like, look, you guys, you cinema lovers, uh, complain so much about the Godfather Three. That she quit acting and she start directing. So now you deal with it. I mean, I'm not gonna say I didn't love Lost in Translation. I won't say <laughs> it. <laughs> and the Virgin Suicides, but I will have to watch the Virgin Suicides again because she's yeah. a. Maybe we should add it to the list. Yeah, because uh, or is that your pick? <laughs> <laughs> because when I watch it, I remember like finished watching and it, it actually just broke my mind from the perspective. It's like, should cinema have a message? Because this doesn't have this doesn't have it. It was it was an aesthetic exercise. An aesthetic it was okay. But in any case, we're not talking about that. It's like just digressing a lot from it. Honestly, I like this movie. I think that from an aesthetic perspective, there are like many scenes that they are directing they're directed like perfectly. That is like if I was like a teacher, I would actually just display this from the perspective that look this is what a perfectly directed scene is. I can see that, and uh, like I said, I like the movie, it's not my type of movie in general, um, but I was able to watch it and think, this is important in terms of the cinematic universe and history. Um, Do you think that he aged well? Because he has 30 years now. Yeah, I think it aged well. Yeah. Because it, it, comes, it came out in 1990, but it takes place in 1970, and it felt very... Well, yeah. it was like 1970 to 19... 90 almost? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it, 85 or 70. I felt like it, it yeah. aged very well. And it was actually, have I mentioned this before, when Robert De Niro accepted the Oscar for the Lifetime Achievement Award? He gave this very, very nice speech, which I have always remembered, where he said, to be honest, it doesn't really matter what wins the award this year for Best Picture. The, the only thing that determines whether a film is worth remembering is time. Yeah. And in 30 years, we'll be looking like we might not remember any of these films. Yeah. And while this isn't my type of film, I can see that it has value. And, yeah. and to be honest, I didn't mind watching two and a half hours of it at all. Like, it was entertaining, I enjoyed it. Yeah. But then it comes to our question, what are the two? Did we enjoy it? Would we recommend it? I guess I would recommend it. I recommend it to many people, this movie. Because I think that is like when people think about more movies, they think about The Godfather, and they stop there. They say, well, The Godfather is great. But they don't usually think about The Godfather's. At least in Spain. So I recommended it to multiple people in the past. If I'm going to remember this movie, it's like, yes, of course. I mean, it's like the third or fourth time that I watch it. Have you seen Revolver by Guy Ritchie? Because that's a very good, <laughs> a very good mafia film. <laughs> I didn't watch Revolver of a Rockola or Rock and Roller. I don't remember. Rock and Roller? That is a good movie. <laughs> It is a good movie. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm going to tell you what, Revolver you is the biggest piece of shit any director has ever taken <laughs> on cinema. Is it worse than the movie that he did with Madonna? I haven't seen it. Okay, maybe we should pick it. No, but it's like, I like uh, Garang, Guy, sorry, like, uh, Guy Ritchie? No, not Guy Ritchie. Uh, Lock and Stock and Just yeah, Smoking yeah, yeah. Barrels. Mm -hmm. And I like also the remake that he did, Snatch. Also because it's basically, it's basically the same, the same movie, Just but with Brad Pitt, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> playing a gypsy. Uh, but I think there is something that when I was watching, it's like the beginning and the end, I just felt it's like, look, this is not, this doesn't feel like 90s cinema. This feels like nowadays cinema. 
is that they had like this kind of frantic feeling to it, you know, like just speeding up like some scenes that just trying to make you engage with you. That I feel like this is amazingly directed, is that this has like some kind of a transcendental feeling to it. It's like maybe it's because nowadays that style is still something that will work. I don't know if 30 years in the future, if I will actually go to watch it in a 2050, they probably will still be dealing with coronavirus. It's like, I don't know how it will feel at that point, but right now it still feels fresh. Yeah, I would agree with that. If Quentin Tarantino were to put out this film today, I would be like, fucking mm -hmm. amazing. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, probably he would actually make it like even more frantic, you know, and try to be a bit more fast-paced as he likes. Like, why is Martin Scorsese not showing the violence? Let's just like <laughs> cut off his arms. Well, I mean, they yeah, they were like almost there. <laughs> so, but no, I mean, I I found it or when they uh, shoot a spider, you know, is that that kind of bizarreness of the situation? And I'm thinking about like what you said about network. That is okay. The, uh, there is an increscendo. There is a category and it gets to a point that is like, okay, this has been absurd for most of the movie, but I didn't realize how absurd it was until now they cross the line. Or it's like, okay, we need to kill the guy. But in this case, it's like, it has been absurd almost from the beginning when he shoots the kid. And it's like, oh, well, he deserves it. He shouldn't have talked with me. You shouldn't have joked about that. And then he comes back. He like heals and he comes back and then he shoots Oh, no, no, I mean like when he actually shoots him in the chest, you know, and he kills him. him. Yeah, yeah, it's like, and they just, he just pretends to say, okay, just keep playing. Like nothing happened. So I did enjoy this film, I won't lie. I, it wasn't my favorite, but I enjoyed watching it. To be honest, uh, just this is me personally not commenting on the quality of the film. I had forgotten I had seen this movie, so obviously it's not something I'm going to recommend anybody, not because it's a bad film. And if somebody came to me and was like, hey, I want to watch a really good mobster film, and they had already seen The Godfather 1, 2, and 3, I would be like, check this out. So you like The Godfather more? Uh, yeah, 100%. But I haven't seen The Godfather in a long time, but I remember watching 1 and 2 and being like, this is what everyone has ta has been talking about? Like, I get it. I get it. Look, the Godfather is like, a, I think that it has like, the same good thing as uh, Quentin Tarantino in Pulp Fiction, about it has a script that is perfect for lasting three hours. It's like, I can watch it, it's like, I don't, re I don't realize that it has been three hours. And also... Uh, Marlon Brando's character is a son of a bitch that I don't like, yep. but I also like understand his actions and the reason why he does things. And Joe Pesci, no, like, that's true. Yeah, Joe Pesci is just I crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess I just no. That's that's a good point from the perspective is like it's based on real and a real story. Is that they may not have the same kind of character development and character introspection as the Godfather did from the perspective that's based on a book on a. 600 yeah, Facebook. That's true, and, and I was interested actually in finding out more about Harry and Karen. Uh, <laughs> like, her being the good Jewish girl that was super attracted to this dangerous man, I was like, oh, let's find out more about her, and they didn't do that. I, To your point, I don't think they were interested in character development, they were just like, this is some crazy shit facts. that happened. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that I feel like, it works okay for it, but the problem is that there are like parts that it actually goes down a bit. And this is something that is like I didn't realize the rest of the times that I uh, watch it. But it's like now I can connect it into okay, you're going to be like doing a real sort of like a movie based on real fights. Sometimes you have to just beat the ballot. It's like it's, it's part of the story, you have to just tell it. Maybe it's not that interesting, but for but example, it's like uh, when they go to uh, the last act, it's like actually I love the character of Karen. 
Why? Because she's a bit more engaged. She's no longer like, oh, I'm just a devastated wife. It's a no. She's just part of the deal. It's that she's just owning it completely. You know? So from that perspective, they had a feeling they say, maybe, I don't exactly know how you came up with the script. Because it's based on a book, The Wise Guys, I think. Yeah. It's like, I don't know exactly how coherent this is with the specific characters, with who they were at any point. But it's like it almost feels like a 180 degree turn about like she owns it completely at that point. Yeah, I was very happy to read the uh, title cards at the end and they're like, Karen left him after 25 years of marriage. I was like, finally, God. <laughs> yeah, she really put up with some shit. But the funny thing is that maybe she only left, her, left him because of the money is no longer there. I would agree. Yeah. She couldn't find him sexy anymore, hiding in witness protection. Yeah, yeah. And probably the husband was not Riley Ota. In any case, he didn't look like Riley Ota. <laughs> it's <laughs> like seven years into bed yeah. when they had Brad Pitt be the sexy character. That yeah. guy looked nothing like Brad Pitt. Who? He was a monster. Seven years into bed, did you see it? No. It's a true story about two guys and a woman climbing a mountain and they get hurt on the mountain. And uh, they have Brad Pitt being the like threatening other man. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the real life character, he was like a monster. <laughs> so rating this, I honest to God haven't thought about my rating up until this point. What is yours? Do you have to uh, rate it first or not? Oh yeah, you picked it. So I think this is a good film, but not memorable for me, so I would give it a 7. A 7? Okay. For me it's going to be an 8. Because I, I like it, I think that it's like, yes, really well directed, but I think that it's like, there are like some pieces that they don't work as well as I remember them. You know? But it's, it's just something that it's like I enjoy. It's like if anyone tells me about like just mob movies, it's like definitely go watch them for us. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, so what are we watching next? Next week, we are watching Heart of the Golden Heart Trilogy by oh Lars von Trier. <laughs> We're no. going to be watching The Idiots. I told you before we recorded you wouldn't be happy, but I'm ready. I'm ready to... I hate you. I hate you, man. <laughs> I know you do, but this is my pick. It's a short film. It's not two and a half hours of The Idiots. <laughs> the funny thing is, like, this week I was actually thinking about the dogma, you know? And I was thinking about uh, how at the beginning they were so pretentious. Like, we are not going to title our films. We're not going to call like Dogma 1, Dogma 2, Dogma 3. And I was like, okay, Dogma 1 was Celebration, Dogma 2 was The Idiots, and Dogma 3 was uh, Mifune. Oh, yeah. That you didn't watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I was like, who actually thought about a movement for saving cinema where movies doesn't have a name? <laughs> it was like just so ridiculous, but yeah, okay, let's, let's, This let's is one of the very this. few true dogma films, yeah. and I watched this in my mid-twenties when I thought any, in, like, experimental cinema was the, the best thing in the world. So now I'm 36, and I want to see if I relate to this film in the same way. Okay, yeah, I'm in the forward. mood for, um, real penetrative sex on screen, so... Okay, man. You made me watch. You made me watch Clueless. You made me watch the idiots to the end. Because I have to say, I only watched like three fourths of that movie. Seventy-five percent. Clueless or the idiots? The idiots. Yeah, yeah. Clueless. I was the whole thing. But it's like, <laughs> I, I got, I got to the orgy, and I said like, no. No, I'm done with this. That's and when I was like, dogma. Yeah. This is the, the path best. to enlightenment. This orgy where they're pretend. Anyway, let's say this <laughs> Okay, man, that was great. Thank you so much. <laughs> Until next time. 
See you, friends. Bye. <laughs>